and welcome back to another episode of Making Sense of Money. I'm Andrea Pellegrini. Last episode, we had the director of the Entrepreneurial Support Program at UIC's College of Business, my colleague Steve Bob, on to talk about some of the things to think about if you want to become an entrepreneur. If you've ever thought about starting your own business or just want to learn more, make sure to check it out. Today, we're going to focus on something that many people may not realize has a direct impact on different aspects of their lives, credit scores. We're going to talk through what credit scores are, how they're generated, and what you can do to raise them. If this topic interests you, our Get Savvy webinar series will be diving a little bit deeper into building credit to your advantage on November 9th. We will put the link to register in the show notes. We've also covered credit in the past, so if this sounds familiar, it's because we're revisiting it. Credit is a complicated topic, so that's why we wanted to talk about it again. So let's start off by first talking about what a credit score actually is. A credit score is a number that is assigned to an individual that's used to understand your credit behavior such as how likely you are to pay back a loan on time. Essentially, it's it's a number that quantifies your credit history, which is available in your credit reports that come from any one of the three main credit bureaus, which you may have heard of. It's Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion are the three main credit bureaus that manage data that is available in your credit reports. So essentially, they oversee your credit history. It's important to note that you don't have just one credit score. A lot of people think they have one credit score. There are different companies that may use slightly different models, depending on a particular loan product or the source of data that's used. For instance, I mentioned Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. They are competing companies and they do not share information. So if a credit scoring company only uses data from TransUnion, then the data there, it may impact what score is available, right? The most popular company that produces credit scores is the Fair Isaac Corporation or FICO. They've sold approximately 50 different versions of FICO scores over the years. Currently, the newest FICO scores available include Ultra FICO, FICO 10, and FICO 10T. So depending on how your credit is being used, a lender or business or someone you're trying to work with may use one of the three available FICO scores currently being sold by the Fair Isaac Corporation. And the range of FICO scores are typically poor, which would be 300 to 579. So that starting point is 300, not one, which is a little bit strange when we think about the continuation of of scoring, right? FAIR would be the score of 580 to 669. A good FICO score would be 670 to 739. A very good score would be between 740 and 799, and an excellent score would be 800 to 850, so somewhere in that range. So those ranges are kind of what's used to impact different aspects of your life, your everyday life that you may not even think of. So just a few examples, I'm sure there are a lot more that even Andrea is going to be like, don't forget as I'm speaking, but (laughs) your credit score impacts your ability to get any type of loan. 
So that could be anything from a new car to a mortgage to a credit card. People will look at your credit score. If you are a renter, credit score may also limit where you can live. So people, not every place, but a lot of renters will ask for your credit score or look up your credit score because essentially, right, a credit score is your ability to pay something back. So they're trying to gauge by this three-digit number. Your car insurance can be higher based on your credit score, which is not something that a lot of people make that connection with, but there's supposedly there's research out there that shows lower credit score means more accidents. So therefore they charge higher car insurance. Well, the there's research, I forget which report it was, but several years ago, there was research done that indicated you had a higher car insurance premium if you had low credit and no accidents than if you had an accident and good credit scores. So the how much you pay is based more on your ability to pay a debt than it is how good you are at driving your car. This is why we wanted to talk about this because credit scores really do have a larger impact than just, I think people hear credit scores and they think credit cards, they think a loan, that's it. And that's not the case. Another thing is that if your credit score is low, certain cell phone companies or internet companies or utilities may require a deposit in order to give you service. More recently, this has become a little bit more of a thing that some employers are also checking credit scores when people apply for a job. You could kind of see how credit scores and this this number, right? It doesn't, the lower it is, eventually is gonna cost you more, whether that's actual money, right? Because you're you're gonna have higher car insurance. You may not be approved for as great of a loan rate or as much money than if you had a higher credit score. We want to really stress that this is not an easy topic nor a fun topic, but the reason why we keep talking about it is because unfortunately a credit score can determine a lot for someone's life. Essentially a a credit score or credit scores can impact your access to resources and how much you pay for those resources. So that's kind of what Nikki and I want to stress. So how do you know your credit score? You can check your credit scores. There's multiple of them. You can check them in different ways. For instance, if you have a credit card or another type of loan, maybe a personal loan or a mortgage or car note, a lot of these companies are now providing credit scores as part of your statements every month. So that might be helpful. There's also credit score services. There are some websites or free trials that you might be able to use, but be careful. Make sure that you are not just providing your very sensitive personal information to any website. You can buy a score from a credit reporting agency which can be helpful. And I think it's important to note that when you're trying to figure out what your credit score is, what type of score is produced for consumers can be different than what's produced for lenders. That's why we talk about credit scores generally, because they're going to be different. FICO has three that they're selling right now for different purposes, for instance. And FICO is the credit score 
used or credit scoring company used most frequently by lenders in the United States, as much as like 90% of lenders use FICO scores. So if you wanted to prioritize knowing exactly or within a certain degree of certainty, which number is going to be used by lenders when you're seeking out credit or you're seeking out insurance, um, using a FICO score, purchasing a FICO score from FICO might be the most helpful depending on what you're doing. Another option is to talk to a nonprofit credit counselor. They might have different criteria for who they will work with, but that might be an option. And then just to make sure that the data in your credit reports is accurate. So no matter which score is pulled, you can also get your free credit reports from each one of the three bureaus from annualcreditreport.com. Uh, right now, they're doing weekly credit reports still, but legally, they're required to provide you at least one report every 12 months for free. And you can purchase more from each one of the, the bureaus, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, pretty much as much as you want. But right now, they're doing it for free, so might as well take advantage of it for free. And remember, those credit reports will not give you a score. They will only give you the data that's used to create your score. So don't get confused when you're like, there's no score on this paper. You could look at your history and you'll be able to get a clearer picture on why you're getting the score that you are. And that's because there is a type of formula that these companies use. Now, depending on which company and what type of credit score that is being calculated, they're a little bit different on how they are formed. But in general, I'm going to go through the FICO scoring since that's usually what most consumers use or need to know. But um, just know that depending on what you're doing or if you're, it may vary a little bit, but in general, this is what's like most important affecting your credit score to least important, I would say. For FICO, 35% is your payment history. So that includes looking at how many on-time payments you have, how many late payments you have, okay? How many total late payments there are. It's also going to look at if you've ever filed for bankruptcy or your total amount that is owed in your credit history, okay? This is something where late payments stay with you. So on your credit score, late payments tend to stay about seven years on your credit report. And bankruptcy stays for 10. If you have one late payment, it's still going to be there seven, six years later, right? One payment may not be that big a deal. If you have 20 late payments that are there for seven years, that's going to have a bigger impact. Then the next largest category of around 30% is amounts owed. So that is how much you owe relative to your credit limits. So if you have maxed out all of your credit cards, that's going to negatively impact your score. However, if you have credit cards, but you're only carrying 10% of your limit, your score then goes up. So basically they want to make sure you're not, they're looking at how much you're relying on that credit. And the more you hit your limit or get close to your limit, the more you're depending on that credit. And it shows your lack of ability to repay it. 15% is your length of credit history. 
So this is actually something that we're going to talk a little bit more about later, but particularly for younger people who are trying to build their credit, that's why their scores are naturally a little bit lower because they don't have credit history. They're just starting. So that means it's the average length of time you have had credit. So the longer your history of on-time payments and being able to manage credit, the higher your score. 10% is new credit. So if you are consistently opening up new credit cards or another type of account, lenders may start to be concerned about your ability to pay that back. So they kind of look at how often you're applying for new credit. Then 10% is a credit mix. So that means that they're looking at what type of credit you have. So is it loans? Is it mortgage? Is it a credit card? Is it, you know, a special store credit card? Whatever it might be. Um, They want to see a sort of mix in your credit history. Basically, all of these together is what is used to then give you a score. Another way that the credit mix might be described is if you have a mix of installment loans, like mortgages or car notes, and revolving credit, which would be like credit cards. So that's that's another way to think about that credit mix, but it's not a very big component of your scores typically. The biggest component is always going to be your payment history, pay your, even if you're only can afford to pay the minimum, if you're paying on time, that's better than not paying. Absolutely. Because a not, not paying is going to actually physically stay with you for seven years. When Nikki was talking about the amounts owed piece, another way that this is sometimes described, or you might think about this is your credit utilization ratio. So this is the amount of debt you have compared to the amount of credit you were made available. So for instance, when you're, when Nikki was talking about maxing out your credit cards, if let's say you're only using 30% of your available credit on your credit card, that's a lower credit utilization and keeping it as low as possible is going to produce a higher score. For instance, in cases like mine, where I use my my credit card for most of my daily purchases and then pay it off at the end of the month, if I'm going to be seeking out a loan or credit or getting uh, insurance quotes, I'll pay off my credit card early so that whatever score is being pulled to make a decision on whether or not to do business with me is going to have the lowest credit utilization ratio included in that score or that algorithm. And again, this is something just to reiterate that we are doing a webinar that's literally about how to build your credit up to your advantage on November 9th. So check it out because as we keep saying, credit is really complicated and there's so many different aspects of it. So if you specifically know that you're like, I need to build credit or I need to build my credit score back from what it was, I would highly recommend that you check out that webinar. Absolutely. So let's say you have a low credit score. There's hope that don't, don't just despair. There is hope. You can improve your credit scores, but it does take a little bit of time. So it's not going to be overnight. So the on-time payment history, 
You got to start practicing or continue to practice paying your bills on time. You can use reminders. You can use deadlines in your calendar, whatever helps you to pay your bills on time. I automate a lot of my bills, but that's not an option for a lot of people. So just do what's best for your situation. You want to look at your credit balances and pay them strategically. For instance, if you're trying to minimize how much overall debt you have, you want to prioritize paying more to the debt you have with the highest interest rate, for instance. Another way that people often prioritize paying their credit balances strategically is by the biggest amount because they're more motivated by that. But if you do the math, you're going to pay the least amount by prioritizing the highest interest debt first. Um, So that's more about helping you minimize how much you owe while also paying your bills on time and paying your amounts down so your credit utilization ratio is improved. You might also add to your credit mix. Maybe you already have credit cards, but maybe an installment loan might help you. So taking out maybe a car loan or a personal loan, but it depends on, that's a, that's a difficult topic. I'm not going to say, hey, everyone should go out and buy a car, right? No, you need to assess what your personal goals are, what your assets are, what your resources are, and if that makes sense for like your long-term credit building goals, right? Some people will just take out a small personal installment loan to mix things up to improve their credit scores. But again, it takes time to, to have that established. You might also ask for higher credit limits, but you want to be cautious about doing this because if you have higher credit limits, then your credit utilization ratio will go down if you keep the balance at the same amount. However, if you are seeking out new credit, like if you're going to try to get a mortgage and you ask for higher credit limits on all your credit cards, a lender might look at those as a risk to being paid back. So you got to be careful about that as well. What's going to work best in the short term versus the long term for your goals. And you want to limit requests for new credit. If you're going to get a new credit card, you want to apply for those credit cards in a very small amount of time, like within seven to 10 days of each other. You don't want to like apply for a credit card one month apply for a credit card the next month or two months later. It's just going to keep dinging your credit scores. So you want to make any inquiries for new credit kind of limited, but you do have some options for comparing your credit resources. So keep that in mind if you are looking for a new credit card or looking for a new car loan or something like that. So there are people out there who do not have any sort of credit history. And so we do want to talk about that a little bit. This group of people is referred to as credit invisible. In 2016, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau did a study and found that 26 million people in America are considered credit invisible. In addition to that, there are those with unscorable credit files. That means their file is so thin or stale that a score cannot be given. 19 million people were affected by this in the CFPB study. 
So altogether, that's about 20% of the entire U.S. adult population who do not have access to quality credit. So who is likely to struggle with this lack of access to credit? Consumers in low-income neighborhoods. So of consumers who live in a low-income area, 30% are credit invisible and 15% have unscorable credit. To give you a sense of that, the difference, upper income neighborhoods, only 4% are credit invisible and 5% are unscorable. So you can see the big difference there. Black and Hispanic consumers are also more likely to be either credit invisible or credit unscorable. 15% of Black and Hispanic consumers are credit invisible and only 9% of white consumers are. Then for credit unscorable, there's 13% Black, 12% Hispanic, and only 7% of white consumers. Lastly, I kind of touched about this earlier. There's also those young consumers who are just starting out, probably building up their credit. It's, it's more about where you are in your life than maybe what has so far happened. Consumers aged 18 to 19, 64% of them are considered credit invisible. It's another kind of interesting thing that CFPB found is that the credit invisible are actually concentrated in certain areas around the country. So looking at the highest portion of consumers, Mississippi had the highest of credit invisibility with 22.3%, while Utah had the lowest at 15.8%. And in general, the report says that Southern states have a larger percent of credit invisibles than other states. You might remember if you listened to our episode with Kamaya Wallace-Bashard from University of Illinois Extension, we talked about credit access several episodes ago. I think it was over the summer. So we can, we can put a link to that in the chat as well. And it talks about more nuances of what the barriers are to access to credit as well. So it's not just a matter of consumers not choosing to engage in, in the credit industry. It's also there are some additional barriers, systemic barriers that might exist for people to access credit. Yes. Excellent point. Kamaya had a lot of really good insights. So I find learning about stuff like this to be very interesting. And if you do as well, I would highly suggest you go back and listen to that podcast that kind of talks about why some of those groups do not have that the same type of access. So being credit invisible can have a huge impact on someone's life, as you might guess from how we've discussed credit scores having a huge impact on someone's life. So people that are credit invisible often lack financial opportunities. And like we said, access to mainstream financial products because of the result of either their lack of credit history or lack of credit score due to such thin files for their, their credit history or credit report. Just like having a low credit score Credit invisible people may encounter difficulties regarding things like rent, getting a job, accessing utilities and other resources and services. And because of that lack of access, it also means that if there's an emergency situation, 
they're typically forced to use higher cost alternatives like payday loans because they don't have access to traditional lower cost credit tools. So in, in recent years, there's been a push by companies to provide special programs to help people build credit and work towards more financially stable situations where they're not having to take advantage of payday loans or title loans. Credit invisibility is a really big problem. And if you're affected by it, a nonprofit credit counselor might be able to help you establish credit so that you can get access to more traditional, lower cost credit tools. And along with what Andrea said, we just really, we really caution everybody to make sure you're researching who you're getting help from because there are scams and fraud everywhere. And that's why we really stress that nonprofit aspect of it, because there, there may be people who are like, oh, I can fix your credit score for you. If you give me, you know, X amount of money, that's not how it works. So make sure you're, you're getting advice from a nonprofit credit counselor that is there to help you. All right. So we just want to thank you for joining us today for an overview on the importance of credit scores. As we mentioned before, if you want to know more about credit scores or how to build up your credit, please attend our, our webinar titled building credit to your advantage on Wednesday, November 9th at noon. The signup is going to be located in the show notes, as well as some other things that we talked about, like the CFPB study and and other resources as well. So please make sure to join us next time where we'll have on a special guest, Kara Holloway, another one of my colleagues, to talk about scholarships and funding college. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with people you know. 